Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. More or less the same question, different voice. We're still on student night because it's Thursday and we focus on the interests of young people, more especially what would make them the best young people possible so that the future of South Africa can be more guaranteed than currently is the outlook, certainly with the ruling party in place. Hashtag student night then between the graduation and the job. Preliminary thoughts. Good evening, Jared. Good evening, Fungezo. Thanks for having me and hello to your listeners. Excellent. What are your thoughts in terms of between graduation and the job? We've just had a conversation in terms of the value that learnerships do add both to the organization as well as the candidate. But of course, not so many people are fortunate to land these internships. What then after graduation? Look, Fungezo, I think it's a complicated issue. Uh, I think... uh, the obvious fact is that there's a huge disparity in the amount of job seekers and the amount of opportunities out there. Learnerships and internships are just one mechanic that are uh, introduced to create a bridge between the learning world and the working world. Uh, but the fact is that youth of South Africa have been plagued with the issue of um, unemployment for decades. And uh, the learnerships are a fantastic opportunity because, as the gentleman before was saying, it gives you the ability to learn and work at the same time, uh, and you can do so straight from the trick. Uh, however, we can see that historically the retention rates post-learnership are quite low. So we have quite a way to go to solve this issue. But let, let, let's talk about the fact that when you say South Africans with skills or have graduated are so much more in numbers than the opportunities available. That surely does mean that the training is not aligned to the economy and its requirements. I don't think it's as simple as that. Uh, I do think that the education system has a way to go to adapt the way in which we are equipping the youth of South Africa to contribute to the economy. Uh, There's no doubt about that. However, that doesn't negate the fact that South African employers historically stigmatize hiring the youth purely because they lack experience. Uh, And in a constrained economy, when you're going to invest in talent, uh, unfortunately, more often than not, uh, employers look to the bottom line and hope to see some sort of return on that investment in the short term. Uh, But the reality is that it's um, employers need to see the youth as an investment. And whilst they may not join your organization and deliver a return in the short term, um, we are required uh, as a society and as, an, as a nation to invest in that demographic and teach them and give them that experience and give them the, the chance to prove how much value they truly can add to the economy. Uh, and that's the issue that we try to fight more often. Yes, education is an issue. Uh, but uh, the, the the business sector and employers of South Africa also need to open their arms and see the bigger picture. Talking about the bigger picture then, I mean, some of the challenges could quite easily be met by an environment that is more receptive, environment that is from a government to the private sector and the release of money and opportunities for entrepreneurship. You're more likely to find somebody who's got an entrepreneurial spirit younger than, say, a person who's quite advanced in terms of time and experience in a particular sector. How then do you think South Africa fares in terms of encouraging that independence through entrepreneurship? 
think we're on the right track. If you look at President Ramaphosa's six-step plan that he announced in his Sonar address earlier this year, uh, the first two steps speak to fundamentally changing the way in which we equip the youth to enter the workforce. Uh, the second is to use cutting-edge solutions, in inverted commas, uh, and online platforms to almost reach the youth where they are because the issue is of such scale. Uh, and the third step is to foster a, a culture of self-employment and entrepreneurship. Uh, and there's, there's a great quote by Ken Santa that says, the best way to create 5 million jobs is to enable 500,000 entrepreneurs to start a business. So I think we all know that um, entrepreneurship is a massive lever in the fight against unemployment. Uh, however, whether or not organizations, be it at the public or private level, offer the levels of support that young people need to actually in, to start a business and to grow that business and to employ people is a whole other question. Uh, and that again comes back to the fact that being the, the country with the highest youth unemployment rate in the world and the highest income disparity in the world, um, we're not really set up for success in this, are we? Um, there are a number of moving parts here. Uh, it's, yes, there's education, but there's also funding, there's mentorship, there's coaching, there's skills development. Uh, there are so many different facets that need to be addressed. And as I said, I think we're making headway, but there's a long way to go. Well, on the basis of that, there being a long way to go, I think inadvertently you've still made my point that there is a misalignment. I might have narrowed it down between the production of skills through universities and those that can be absorbed in the formal economy. But I mean, you have essentially said there is a discrepancy between ultimately what needs to be done versus currently what is being done and the plans that are being put in place. I mean, you're mentioning this YES program of President Ramaphosa. President Ramaphosa is the sixth president. This is the sixth administration. Surely this should have come that much long ago. I mean, we should have been having this in the days of Madiba because the problems were as bad then as they are now. Probably worse because it was immediately after apartheid. 100%. Look, I don't think we can get around the fact that, as we said, this is a historical issue that has plagued the youth for uh, many decades. And whether or not um, it's too little too late is it's a contentious question, if I'm frank. But I think the best way to look yeah, at sure. it is, is through an optimistic lens. And uh, I think President Ramaphosa, whilst uh, he is the sixth president in this administration, to be in implementing a, an issue, um, a program specifically designed to address the issue is it's encouraging. Um, we engage with multiple stakeholders in this ecosystem. We meet with the Western Cape government. Uh, we have met with uh, President Ramaphosa's youth task team to understand what it is that they're looking to do. We meet, we meet, we meet with uh, PBOs and NGOs and privatized institutions. Um, and there is a lot of positive action that's going on. Uh, I do fear that at 58.5% youth unemployment, have we reached the point of no return where it's actually too difficult to start going back? It's possible. Uh, but the one opportunity that we're seeing right now uh, is although COVID-19 has um, really devastated uh, and already exacerbated youth unemployment statistic, what it's also done is opened up the global economy. So remote working has become somewhat normalized or standardized. And whilst most South African youth aren't particularly equipped 
to land work from home jobs with global companies, it's a new avenue, avenue that we can start to explore where South African talent can still live locally, spend locally, grow our own economy, but on the backs of international and global markets. You talk about, I mean, I appreciate that, and, and you, you really have taken me to my next question. That's then the value of STEM, your science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and related IT stuff, given the fact that, first of all, the globe on a massive scale is consuming such services. South Africa, I'm not so sure, compares favorably with the rest of the world, but you talk about potentially giving up. I'm not saying throwing the towel just yet, although the number is what it is. Surely this is a good time equally to invest in the online market, in your STEMs, in your IT. We're talking about fourth industrial revolution. There's a panel headed by Chilitzi Mahwala to that effect. And which is more, and this is really the nub of the issue, it will flow the migration from where people come from, their identity, their social circles, their comfort, where perhaps they might be able to save on costs if you keep them where they are, but certainly bringing the opportunities to them, opportunities especially through the mediums of the online world. Your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, we, uh, in the last three and a half years, we've tried to identify all the different roadblocks that are prohibiting the youth from uh, navigating into the working world. Uh, there's the mobility barrier, uh, where they simply oftentimes don't have the ability to get to and from interviews, uh, which is just completely... Um, stunting them in their path to the workplace. Uh, there's the data barrier where they simply aren't connected. How are you supposed to uh, navigate finding a job in a digital world when you simply just don't have the tools to do that? Um, but now what we just mentioned now is the, it's the spatial barrier or spatial inequality. Uh, mm. We can find a way to fight that spatial barrier at the same time as the data barrier. Uh, and equip individuals to not have to make drastic moves around the country in order to seek employment, then I really do think that we are turning um, a somewhat dark situation into light. Uh, but again, these are massive, massive systemic issues that aren't just going to be solved by a few conversations. They're not going to be solved in a few years. If we're lucky, it'll take a few decades, but it's probably going to take generations. Um, so it's it's a long, hard battle. And I think the one thing that we all need uh, as organizations are in this fight is to take the long-term view, um, which I guess you could argue is difficult for any political party to do because it's difficult to see past four years, never mind four decades. But if we can foster a culture of co-creation and coordination and collaboration, uh, and really rally all the stakeholders around us, then, again, I say I'm optimistic, but time will tell. Coordination, collaboration, consistency. Mm. Now, give me your most honest answer here. When you are sitting with your colleagues who are trying to attend to these issues, how much of what you all conclude can be directly attributed to what happens or doesn't happen at the union buildings or at Lutuli House. How much of these two institutions currently are a problem to meeting these challenges we are lamenting now? Look, I think, again, it's easy to look at how much of it is a problem, but what we should possibly just focus on is what are the positives. So all the... <laughs> Let's focus the, on the problem for now. We'll focus on the positives. Let's focus on the problem because we can only get true positives once we know the true problem. Let's focus on the problem that I asked. 
So I think there are great systems out there designed to enable the youth to get experience and get a job. So the learnership, the YES program, whether or not they are being conducted and implemented and audited at a level that is designed to maximize the the benefit that the youth and the organizations that employ those youth will realize is not optimal. Uh, it definitely could be more impactful, but I don't think I'm personally in a position to uh, give an informed opinion on where those optimizations lie. Uh, we as an organization don't do uh, much work at the policy level. Uh, we collaborate with other organizations that are experts in that area. Uh, our expertise is how to use online platforms to deliver work readiness and employment solutions to young people. Um, yeah, so I'm not too sure I can give you the best answer there, Sangeza. Fantastic. In 30 seconds. Would it make more sense then, just going back to the first part of the conversation, perhaps not one year, perhaps at least two years, ideally three years, to create meaningful experience for a learner in a learnership? In other words, make the learnerships longer so that the learner ultimately is that much more empowered? 30 seconds, please. That's all we have time for. I think there's two ways that you can do that. You can either extend the learnership and make it for a longer period, which is going to come at a higher cost, or you can augment the existing one-year program with more resources in the form of coaching, skills development, mentorship, which I believe are probably more probability, more high probability of creating the retention rates because it's hands-on. Fantastic. Let's leave it there. Thank you, then. Thank you very much, Ryzen. Appreciate your thoughts on Thank this. You, Let's, yes, that's all we have time for. Thanks. Indeed, guys, that was then The Viewpoint. Wonderful contributions from all of our guests put together most beautifully by the lovely producers backstage who you've never seen and heard, and perhaps that should change. Lesejo and Kanya and Brafini are always in my ear, telling me one minute standby and all of that. Kumima Tebula. Puza Thursdays are taking center stage right now. The carelessness mixed with recklessness is just beyond amazing. Hashtag SFM viewpoint. Thoroughly appreciate the contributions as well. I'm very careful. Well, not very careful, but rather disappointed that we don't have much of an engagement on Twitter. Perhaps we should do something. What it is, I'm not so sure. Your contributions, as always, are welcome. But then we'll have to implement them as from Monday next week because that's the show for this week. Good night, everybody. Thanks for your time.